Amen. Good morning. I'm John Davis. I'm the pastor here at Common Ground Community Church, and we're glad that you're joining us this morning. If you're watching us online, we want to invite you to join us at 1045 on Sunday mornings here at Bryant Elementary. We'll be here. We'd love to meet you. I'm so glad to see you today as we're continuing our sermon series, Words to Live By. You know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, you've, you've seen me tell a variety of different stories and show different slides and stuff, but this morning I actually want to tell you a little bit more of a personal story. Uh, a year ago last week, my biological father passed away from complications of multiple scler sclerosis. Many of you don't know that um, because I don't speak much about my biological father. I don't really have a relationship with him. Um, to be honest, the last time I saw him, I was 19 years old. Um, last time I spoke with him, I, I think I was 31. Um, my mom and dad divorced when I was three. I have one memory of my mom, my dad, my brother, and I together. We were walking across the church parking lot going to some Halloween thing. My dad was dressed as Batman. I remember that. But at 44 years old, I have no other memories of, of that uh, beginning family being together. Uh, most of my childhood was... Uh, uh, spent being passed back and forth between mom and dad in summers and holidays. And I can remember getting on an airplane once in, uh, uh, in Los Angeles, at Los Angeles International Airport. I flew uh, to Oklahoma City from there. And then from there, I got on a very small plane to fly to Joplin, Missouri. And it was wintertime. And I remember the, the ice forming on the small wings of the plane and, and the pilot circling a little bit, thinking we might have to fly someplace else because uh, I was going to see my dad for Christmas. My brother was a little bit older and it was just me. And um, if I had not landed there when I was supposed to, I was going to be stuck in a small town at 14 years old without anybody that I knew of. And all I remember my dad saying was, that's okay, I know people who live there, you could have stayed with them. Well, I appreciate the effort, but to be perfectly honest with you, that's not really what I wanted to hear. What I wanted to hear was, it doesn't matter, son, I'll come get you. Uh, I haven't really mourned my father's death because uh, I didn't really know him. Um, when my mom called me, which was the weirdest thing, uh, she calls to tell me that her ex-husband of 30 plus years had passed away. When she calls to tell me that, I just simply told her, thank you. I appreciate you letting me know that. She says, baby, are you okay? And I said, mom, I'm fine. I actually I, I mourned his loss many years ago when he, he kind of exited out of my life. And he and I had some, we had some strife when I was a young man. I, I think the last, next to last significant conversation we had that really kind of put an end to some things. I was talking with him about some stuff and uh, I was in college and was, was just trying to reconcile some things with him. And it felt like we had made a little headway. And the next day, my stepmother calls me on the telephone. And she does the same things that had caused some strife in previous. She begins to let me know how hard it was for my dad, for me and my brother not to do things and not to do this and not to do this. And I'm sitting here thinking, why am I responsible for this? This is not my burden to carry. I, I'm a young man. And then she said a couple of other things. And I said probably the most awful, terrible things to her on the telephone. I mean, cussed her from one side to the other. I did. And then I heard on the other side of the line, my dad was listening to the entire conversation. I mean, that was the beginning of the end for me with him. And, and I, di I did a very immature and a very terrible thing. And I cut him completely out of my life. Now, I, I can't tell you that I don't have peace about having done that, that it wasn't the best decision for me. Because it might have actually been the best decision for me. However, it was, it was terrible. Um, because here's my biological dad, and let's, let's just be honest for a second, um, just as I'm trying to be today, no matter the relationship there between a, a, a father and his child, between creator and created, there's a longing to connect there. There's a longing to have that, that relationship that exists, even in the worst of situations, which, which many are far worse than what I just described with, with my dad. Now, I have to tell you that that, that that strained relationship for many years was very challenging because my father actually was a pastor, 
And he continued to pastor after he and my mom divorced and after he remarried. To my knowledge today, there were three churches that closed down as a result of my dad's leadership in those churches. My, 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 my brother shares with me that uh, dad wrote a memoir or something or another. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want to read it. It, it does eat on me just a little bit, but I don't want to read it. But dad tells me a little, my, my brother tells me a little bit that dad wrote in there about having been married to his high school sweetheart and, and having two wonderful children, Scott and Jennifer. And so when I hear things like that, I don't, I don't hold anything against them, but boy, it just, it just feels like here's, here's my dad has taken the relationship he and I have strained and he, and he stripped that away too. And, and that hurts. It does. It doesn't matter how close you are or not. In any relationship, when someone kind of strips away your identity and removes you, from it, it hurts. Um, for many years, I ran from a call of ministry at 18 years old when I, I remember sitting with God and just saying, okay, I'm here. What do you want? He goes, be ready. I got something for you. And then I looked and I said, the only thing I know about ministry is my dad. I don't want anything to do with that. I, I don't, and so I, I, I'll go the other way, right? I'll, 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 I'll fall in love with the world. I'll see what it has to offer me. It, it's really not a surprise that, I, that I've used alcohol as a young man. It's really not a surprise that, that uh, my first child was conceived outside of marriage. It's, it's really none of that's actually a surprise when you look at my life as a whole and the, the, the choices that I made um, as an individual. It's really not even a surprise that I would blame others for those instead of taking responsibility for my own actions, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest with you this morning. That's just kind of how we all respond and react, because bad things happen sometimes, and we don't always just take ownership of that. Even when we can't really move the needle, it just kind of happens. I, I, I do, again, think that, that, that the relationship between father and child should mirror that between creator and created. And, and so on some level, every human being is looking to mend that relationship with their creator. They're looking to see how can, how can I resolve the relationship between who I was created, who created me, and for what reason, what purpose, no matter what the, the problem is. And here's, here's the thing. I can look at the relationship with my dad and I and go, man, we were both just morons. We just made terrible decisions. And we were prideful and we were arrogant. And we were hurt and we were wounded. And we lashed out against each other instead of reaching out for each other. And I'm so glad my God's not like that. I'm so glad that my God, my creator, looked and he goes, you know what? Just keep spitting, just keep screaming, just keep cussing, just keep yelling at me, but I'm going to love you anyway. And I'm going to be there for you. I was never at peace with my dad. And because I was never at peace with my dad, I never enjoyed my dad's blessing. I, I feel confident that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning whether you're on one side of that equation or the other. But not being at peace with my dad ensured that I never had his blessing. And when you think about some of the things that, that went on and some of the conversations we had and some of the places where, where he truly failed as a father and I as a son, I still wanted his blessing. I still wanted him to say, you're mine, I love you, I'm here for I still wanted that because he was my dad. Now, I have to give praise and glory and honor to the Lord God Almighty because he filled that gap for me in an amazing way with a, with a stepdad. And so most of the stories you hear about dad is about my stepdad. And if you ever see him and you look at us, you go, y'all are not related. That's my dad, and I'll fight anybody here who says anything different, okay? And he's my dad for a lot of reasons because I'm at peace with him and because he's given me his blessing. Because he's given me his blessing, all that he has is mine, 
I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about houses. I'm not talking about his gun collection, even though I really want it. (laughs) But I have his blessing, and that's more to me than anything else. And when we talk about this ideal of peace, it's pretty challenging. It's pretty challenging because we all want that, that, that blessing of, but we're, we're not always prepared to have that, that relational with. Does that make sense? We, we want all the benefits. We want all the promises. We want all the, the good of, but, but we have to make sure we have the reality of with. And with is hard. Over and over in God's word, he says to us, I am with you always. If God be with us, who can be against us? Throughout all the scripture, you'll see two types of peace, and we're going to talk about this morning. You'll see peace with God, and you'll see the peace of God. I'm here to tell you this morning that you will never have peace of God until you have peace with God. And so if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing on in the Sermon on the Mount, our series called Words to Live By. Jesus has gathered around him his disciples. Now, there's lots of people out there, and, and he's been caring for them. He's been teaching to them. They're out in the wilderness, and he's, he's on this mountainside, and he's gathered around his followers. Those are saying, hey, there's something intriguing about you, Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to know more about you, Jesus. I want to I be with you, and I want to be said that I'm of you. That's what being a disciple is, a follower of Jesus. But in order to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be in a relationship with Jesus. Uh, And I I know some of you may be exactly where I am because if you haven't noticed, the glass is always half full with me. Have you noticed that? It's really not. It's usually half empty. But if it's full of poison, who cares how much half is what, right? But, there's, but, but Judas, I always think about that. I'm like, well, how is G- Judas is, is with Jesus, but he's not of Jesus. Well, look, Peter's going to deny him later on anyway. And so Peter might say, no, 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 I'm not with him, so therefore I'm not of him. Do you see the relationship between with and of? Do you see the challenge here? And so as we continue in Matthew chapter 5, we're, we're in verse 9 here, and Jesus is going back through the Beatitudes, and we've, we made a shift a couple of verses ago from just the, the attitude, now we've taken that attitude moved into action, and, and we're, we're saying this this morning in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I know many of you have different, different translations, and I pray, oh, I pray your translation says peacemaker, not peacekeeper. Because there's a huge difference between maker and keeper. And just real simple, the United Nations peacekeepers are those that go in on the authority of some international law. Now, that law is the, the, the crux behind a peacekeeper. A peacemaker goes in under the authority of love. And the authority of love comes from God. And so that when, when we understand that we are peacemakers, we, we see first and foremost in this verse alone that Jesus was really, really, really concerned with our relationship with him, our relationship with the Father. It's not enough just to, be, to say that I, I've rubbed elbows or I've been around him or I'm of his camp. I'm with him and he with me always. And so if I'm a peacemaker, I have peace with him. And the, the truth of the matter is, is that we are all enemies of God until we get peace with him. And the only way that happens is through Jesus Christ, through him alone. When God looked at his creation and said, things are all messed up, and I want to be with them always. I want to be among them and dwell among them. 
we go back to the Old Testament, we look at the Israelites. God said, I want to be with you, but I can't be with you because your attitude and your heart towards me is scorned and sinful and, and it's evil and it doesn't think of me. And so I can't be with you if you don't think of me. And so we're going to have to talk about the way we relate to one another. And he gave them the Ten Commandments. And if you look at the very first commandment, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm it. You want to be with me, then you be with me. You don't be of me or around me or near me or sometimes with me. You be with me. And I want to be with you and I want to dwell among you. Later on, we would get the promise of Jesus, and Jesus would come, and he would die on a cross so that we might be with him. We might be reconciled to God. And just before Jesus ascended back in the book of Acts, he says this. He says, a helper is coming. A, a, a peacemaker is coming, one that's going to dwell with you always. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your guide. He's going to remind you. He's going to mark you. He's going to put down a down payment on your life so that anybody that comes against you, they're going to say, oh, no, 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 they're with God. And here's where we run into a great problem. Many of us who have received that reconciliation with our Creator because of what Jesus done, because we received that, many of us don't act like it. And when we don't act like it, we don't look like we're of God. And when we don't look like we're of God, what about those people on the outside who are, who are so far away from Him, so separated from God, they look at us and they say, yeah, but that person says they're a Christian, but they don't act like they're a Christian. And so why would I want what they have? What's any different about that? And so as Jesus is talking to his disciples here, he's saying, listen, peacemakers, peacemakers are my disciples. And complete joy, all satisfaction, a fullness is given to those, a holy blessing is given to those who are peacemakers. And peacemaking is not a passive activity, it's an active activity. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who go forth and make peace with others, who bring others from the outside, who are not with God, and bring them in to be with God. You see the difference? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, that's an interesting thing, because we look at what it means to be the sons of God. It means that we are declared His and are rightfully all His and all of His inheritance. Like I said a minute ago about my stepfather, he's my dad, and I'll fight you if you tell me any different. He's the, he's, the, he's the dad that I, that I always wanted and needed. And a whole lot is because of the way he treats my mom, a whole lot is the way he treats my brother, a whole lot is the way he treats my, my kids, my wife. Now, if you ask Amanda, she'll say that, that she's his favorite. And it's true. We've all accepted that. But he's dad. And I get to be called his son because I have peace with him. Not all of us have peace with God. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, I, I want you to see that one phrase up there. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. You just can't have it. You can't have it both ways. You just cannot have it. Cease striving and know that I'm God. Well, it's one thing to acknowledge the existence of God. It's another thing to acknowledge the authority of God. It's another thing to acknowledge the relationship with God. And that relationship with God is never sealed by you just submitting and succumbing and laying down and letting him lord over you in a forceful manner. That relationship with God that you can cease striving from is not just that you recognize that he's more powerful and he's stronger than you are, but it's because he is, he is strong and mighty enough to say, I care about you and I love you and I want you to submit to me because I know what's best for you. And I'm not trying to force my will upon you, but I'm going to show you that my yoke is easier than anything else the rest of the world has. And that if my way is the best way, it's not a good way or a better suggestion, it's the way. 
And if you'll submit to me, I will love you and I will call you my own. And here's the beautiful thing. In this context, when Jesus says you should be called the sons of God, he's talking about adoption. He's talking about the beautiful thing about inheritance through adoption. And the, the, the amazing thing is that you could actually disown a blood relative during these times, like we do today. But you could not disown an adopted child. Once they were there, yours, they were yours to keep forever and ever. Now, I know some of you are saying, whew, thank goodness, because i got a couple of kids I'd like to get rid of. I get it. I know your families. But just consider for a second that our God doesn't act like you do, does he? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And to be called the sons of God says that we are his, and we are not only of him, we are with him. But you will never have the peace of God until you have peace with him. And so many people in our lost and dying world do not have peace with God. They do not have peace with God. And so who's going to tell them about that? Well, how can they have the peace of God? Well, first and foremost, we must all understand that a peacemaker knows his past, present, and future. You know where you came from, you know where you are, and you know where you're going. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. I'm not going to put this up on the board. It says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Hey, that's me. I I was that guy. I was dead in my trespasses trespasses and sins and once I once walked following the course of the world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience now look I can be the sons of God or I can be a son of disobedience and I've tried to be both and I got news for you you can't you're one or the other it's not both and it's either or and so many of us, when we follow in the, in the line of being the sons of disobedience, it means that we're just going with the way of the world. We're letting the world impact us. We're, we're, we're fitting in so well with the world that the world can't see God in us. They can't see that we're with him or of him. As Ephesians 1 through 3 continues on in verse 3, it says, Among whom, you sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I got news for you. We got a lost and dying world right now who do not know Jesus. They are sons of disobedience. They are following their flesh. They are living by children of wrath. And they are so disconnected from their, their creator that they don't know peace. And when you don't know peace and, and, and you're just in complete disruption, when you're not at peace with God, you're in complete disruption to yourself and everyone around you. I mean, I'm not into Eastern philosophy and religion, but I will say there's times whenever I get the little thing on my Apple Watch that tells me it's time to breathe. And every once in a while, I look at it and just go, who, who are you to boss? You're not the boss of me, right? Can I change that setting? But, but if you've ever seen a child throwing a temper tantrum, I mean a tantrum. I, I mean, have you ever just wanted to grab them and just look at them and just say, breathe, just breathe, just take a breath for a second? My... <laughs> I had, apparently, I had a bad habit of holding my breath as a child. And, and I would do, anybody ever have a kid like, they just hold their breath. And I would just, and I'd start turning colors. You know, my mom would get all worried. She went to the doctor and said, what do I do? She, he said, let him pass out. <laughs> breathing will come back, right? He'll, he'll start breathing again. Let him pass out. You know, my mom's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. You do this a couple times in public. Guess what? Mom's ready for you to pass out. You're easier to get in the car. When we are at odds with others, we lash out, we push out, we break down, we tear down. We, try to, we don't try to bring ourselves up to other people's level. We try to bring them back down to ours, right? And as children of disobedience, living by wrath, we don't understand our past, 
present and our future. But now we are the sons of God because we're at peace with God. We can say, I used to be that way. I used to do those things. I don't have to act that way anymore. I don't have to act out to get my father's attention. I have his undivided attention because I'm his son. Because I'm at peace with him and I have his peace. But whenever I'm acting like the world wants me to act, I don't have his peace with me. I don't have the peace of God, right? Now, nothing can take me away from him. Once we've reconciled, he and I, we're good. I'm always his son, but I don't always act like it. Blessed are the peacemakers because they know their past, present, and future. They understand where people are walking in darkness, where they're walking in the flesh, where they're walking in the world, and they go to them and they say, you don't have to walk that way anymore. I used to be like that. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to do that anymore because my father, who knows me better, told me I don't have to. He showed me the way. Not a better way. He showed me the way. And it was through Jesus Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers. They're going out there and they're finding people who are so dwelling on their past that their future looks so dark and so unheard of. It's a lot easier to be an atheist these days because you don't have to think about the present or the future. It's a lot easier to be agnostic, to say, yeah, maybe a God exists, but he doesn't really care about me because he doesn't really care about me and what I do. There's no consequences in this life or, or the other. Man, it's a scary place to be. That's a person who's been convinced that there's not a God who loves them. And a peacemaker goes to that person and says, let me show you the way. Let me show you the way to reconciliation. The second thing a peacemaker does is that he knows where his peace comes from. So many times in this church, I've repeated over and over, you've got to know your story. You've got to tell your story. You've got to write your story down. Well, I don't have this big testimony everything else. Did God save you? Yes, you've got testimony. Did God love you? Yes, Did he have no reason to? Absolutely. I gave him all kinds of reasons not to love me, but he did anyway. You've got a story, and your story matters, and your story makes a difference. I'd love to know some of the stories of my dad when he was a kid growing up. I'd love to hear about his childhood. I'd love to hear about how he and my grandmother and my grandfather got along. I'd love to hear some of those stories. I'll never hear those stories. I'll never know them. I'd love to have those. I would have loved to have reconciled those pieces there. But since I don't have that, I have to understand that my peace now comes from God alone. And while that relationship was damaged, it was hurtful, it wasn't positive, it was not productive, it doesn't define me. My peace with my Creator does. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Faith is this amazing thing that says, I acknowledge that there's a God who created me and I've been at war with him my entire life, that I have, I have wallowed in the wrath and the sinfulness of this world and I've, been at, I've not been at peace with him my entire life. And I've tried lots of things to try to get there and I couldn't figure it out. And so God in his infinite wisdom says, I got an idea. I'm going to send Jesus. He's going to live a perfect sinless life for you. And he's going to show you what it is to be reconciled to him. He's going to die on a cross and his blood's going to be spilled for you. And in three days, he's going to defeat the scariest thing in the entire world. And that's death. He's going to get up and he's going to walk out of a tomb. And he's going to reconcile all of humanity and all of creation. He's going to put it back right because that's what he's there to do for you because I love you. Man, that's good news. That's the story that a peacemaker tells. I was once at odds with God, but I don't have to be anymore because Jesus came into my life and he reconciled me. And I have faith because he justified me. He put me right 
because of my faith, and now I have peace with God. And because I have peace with God, I can enjoy the peace of God in all of my relationships, in all my interactions, in all that I do. When the world comes crashing down upon me, when bad things happen to me, even though I do everything right, I don't have to let that define me because I'm at peace with God, and because I'm at peace with Him. I am His creation, I am His Son, and I have the peace of Him that is just oozing out of me. Have you ever seen anybody just really act calm in a stressful situation? And you just look at them and go, what's wrong with that person? How do they have that? Let's be fair. Some of those people are a lot grayer and wiser than the rest of us. They've walked that mile a time or two, don't they? And you know what they have? The secret that they have that many of us younger folks don't have is that they know that God never changed the entire time. And that they can count on him. They didn't do it the last time and maybe not the ten times before that. But now they're at a stage in their life where they realize, you know what? I'm going to trust God on this one. I tried it my way, and I failed miserably. I'm going to trust God on this. I have faith in him. I have the peace of God because I have peace with him. A peacemaker also goes about his father's business. Now, isn't that an interesting thing? You ever see the, the, the Jesse and Sons Moving Company? I used to call them from time to time and say, yeah, where's your son's moving to? And hang up on him. It's the funniest thing in the world to me. You ever see Sanford and Son? Remember that show back from the 70s? Oh, I love that show. I love that show. What was the son's name? Lamont? Lamont Sanford, I think, was his name. Lamont, Lamont loved his dad. And his dad was, Red Fox was a scoundrel. I mean, he, he was a funny man, but he was a mess, right? Could you imagine him being your dad? Oh, my goodness, right? Some of you younger kids are going, who in the world is that? Trust me, great quality television back in the day. His dad would swindle people and would cheat them out of stuff, and he'd tell lies, and he'd get into some scheme. And what happened? Every time, Lamont was there for his dad every single time. And every now and then, Every now and then, his dad would look at him and tell him how proud he was of him. And no matter what a scoundrel his dad was, Lamont was always there and he had his father's blessing, didn't he? And he'd go try to do something and he'd try to get it the right way and his dad would come up with some scheme to do it the wrong way, but he had his father's blessing. Let me tell you something. A father's blessing means a lot, but Lamont continued on with his daddy's business, Right? He understood where he was coming from. Let me tell you something, Christians, especially those of you who are sitting here right now saying, I have not enjoyed the peace of God in a very long time. I know I'm a believer. I have peace with God. I've accepted that Jesus Christ died for me. But right now, I don't have peace of God. And let, me, let, me just, let me just caution you on something right here. You want to know why you don't have the peace of God? You're not doing your father's business. You're not doing his business. You're handling your business, not his. You're doing world business, not kingdom business. You're so wrapped up in you, you, you that you forgot about him, him, him. Now listen, I get it. Things is tough. Sometimes you've got to make different decisions. But when you're outside of your father's business, when you're not doing what you need to be doing, you, you get away from the reality of what he saved you for and why he did so and how he equipped you to do so. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17 says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are people going to know about this Jesus? How are they going to know about this peace with God? How are they going to know that there's a father out there who wants to make everything right? How are they going to know that if nobody goes and does their father's business? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? If they've not heard the name of Jesus, if they've not heard that there is one true God who created all of us and desires to be with us always, intimately, to not just know about us, but to know us fully and to make us fully known in, in heaven and on earth. How are they going to know about him if a peacemaker is so busy being a peacekeeper in today's PC world that we can't talk about God in places because they're not about their father's business? 
How are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Not how beautiful are the feet of those who pacify the situation, who make you feel good in your sin, who let you just go on being separated from God as long as you feel okay and don't have hurt feelings. That is the worst thing we could possibly do with people is let them just stay in their sinfulness, let them wallow in it, let them continue to be separated from God but feel all good inside about themselves. I'm a good person after all. It's not like I've ever murdered anybody. So what if you had? Is not forgiveness for you too? Well, at least I'm better than that person over there. Yeah, you may be. Good for you. You're still a jerk. He's just a worse jerk than you are. Is that the scale we're using? How beautiful are the feet who, of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You're not in peace of God. It's because you're not doing your father's business. If you're wondering what's going on, you're so wrapped up. Listen, your circumstances are what they are. Some of them stink. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of you got yourselves in pretty bad spots. Relationally, financially, emotionally. I get it. Welcome to the human race. I'm not trying to diminish anything you're going through because I can't fully understand what you're going through. I can tell you what I've gone through. And I can be there and be as sympathetic and as empathetic as possible, but I'm going to tell you something. If all you're worried about fixing those things in this world right here, you're going to be very much focused on yourself. And something amazing happens when we start focusing outward instead of inward. We start being about our Father's business, and we are the feet of Jesus, and we go and proclaim the good news to others who are not at peace with him. And because they're not at peace with him, they don't have the peace of him. Father, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about Christianity. I don't know enough about salvation. Are you saved? Yes, that's all you need to know. You can learn those other things. You can watch those other things. But, but if you're not about your father's business, everybody starts out as an apprentice. Everybody. An apprentice doesn't walk in saying, I'm going to revolutionize this business. Daddy's got it wrong for all these years. That's not what he does. He learns and he does exactly what his father tells him to do. And Jesus says, go and tell people about me. Go find somebody without peace. They're pretty easy to spot. Trust me on this one. Tell them who I am. Tell them they can find me hanging up on top of that hill on a wooden cross with three nails. I'm easy to spot. A peacemaker goes about his father's business. How will they know? How will they ever find peace with God, let alone the peace of God, if you don't go and tell them? If you don't go and tell them. Finally, a peacemaker sees conflict as an opportunity. I'm going to put this up here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is the one thing we don't think about with peacemakers. We, we, we hear this word peace and we think, here's an idea. To, uh, a peacemaker is a pacifist and they're going to go in and calm the situation down. They're going to, everybody's going to sit down. And we're, going to, we're going to have a nice conversation about everything. This is what a peacemaker is. But I'm going to tell you something. A peacemaker is... is uh, I, Man, I, some of you may not agree with this, but I'm going to tell you, I was thinking of good illustrations, and the one thing I thought about was the Marine Corps. Now, I've never had the honor of serving in the military, but the one thing I know about Marines is they run towards gunfire. That's the one thing I know about those guys. Now, I'm not saying they're not a half a bubble off, because most of the Marines I've met are, and I love them for it. I truly do. 
But those dudes are trained to run towards gunfire. And where they are, they're ready for a fight. And most of those guys that I've met, the reason why they're ready to get into a fight is so somebody else doesn't have to. And they go in and they make peace. Now, they may do it by force. They may show, show strength. That's debatable. You can talk about that amongst yourselves or deal with that on your own. But I'm going to tell you something that's really interesting about this. They look at a conflict as an opportunity, not to wage war, but to go in and make peace. So many of us, especially inside the body of Christ, we need to run towards conflict. We need to run towards backbiting and gossip and anger and frustration and finger pointing. We need to run towards that because what that demonstrates is that person doesn't have the peace of God and they may not know peace with God. And as peacemakers, we need to run towards that conflict. We need to see that as an opportunity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20, which I have up here, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You've been given a new job, a new suit of armor, a new set of tools, a new set of resources, and you have a secret weapon that a non-believer doesn't have. You have Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, not from any place else who through Christ reconciled us to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. I don't know what God wants me to do in the kingdom. I don't, I don't preach. I don't sing. I, I don't do, do kids' ministry. I don't do that. Hey, you are called the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of us who has peace with God is called the ministry of reconciliation. And you're called to go near conflict, to run towards it and say, listen, I don't know all the details. I can't make everything better. I can't wipe out your debt. I can't take away your disease but I can tell you about Jesus Christ who reconciliates all of his creation back to him because he loves us. And I'm here to tell you that because I have that ministry. It's been bestowed upon me. I want to be about my father's business. Did you know that? That you were called to that ministry? What does that mean? It means where passion and reality meet, God's right smack in the center of those crosshairs and that's where you fire. That's where you aim and you head towards that. Continuing on, verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Right now, I want you to just think, just look at me real quick, just think right now, right here, right now. I want you to think of one name, okay? One name of one person you have a terrible relationship right now. You got them? You think it? This is not any super high spiritual thing, but I, I, you're people. And this is how people think. Now I'm in your head for just a second. That person right there, do they have peace with God? Are they a, are they a believer? Because if they are, you have all authority, all rights, and all responsibility to go to them and be a peacemaker. To go to them, to have the conversations you need to have. Do you need somebody to go with you? Call me, I'll go with you. You need somebody just to pray about that? No problem, let's do it. You're called to that, and you're missing out on all the things that God has given you and equipped you to do. That's the first name. If that person does have peace with God but not peace of God, and there's things going on relationally, you've got to fix those things out because you don't want to be like me standing here saying, hey, a year ago my dad died, and I'll never be able to say I'm sorry. You don't get those times back. I believe my father knew Jesus Christ. I do. But I think not unlike myself, he and I are both prideful men. And I think our pride stopped us from being in the relationship we could have had together. And as a result of that, I have two children who've never met their biological grandfather. Praise God, they had a, I don't want to say substitute, but they had a great replacement. 
But they still missed out, didn't they? You know, that's the problem with this world is that we've got this short, finite amount of time, and God's called us to do things. He's equipped us to do things, and he says, you are a peacemaker. Get out there and do my business. And what we miss out is that once someone dies and they're not at peace with God, they will never, ever be at peace with him. There is no second chances after we pass this life. When people die, they go on and God judges them and their soul will rest for all of eternity either in a real place called heaven where everybody wants to go and think that they're, they ought to go there or a real place called hell where nobody wants to go and some even claim it doesn't exist, but it does. And all the torture and all the fire and all the rimstone, you can take all those things, but the one thing that's going to be missing, the one thing that's going to be missing in hell that a lot of us don't like to talk about is that it will be outside of the presence of a holy God. There will be no reconciliation with your Creator. And I don't know about you, but I've got people that I could write their names down on a list that i got bad relationships, and yeah, I'd like to patch some of those things up. And yes, some of them I'd just like to hug them, put them on a bus someplace, and never see them again. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of them is probably healthier that I'm not in a long relationship with them. We're just we're sandpaper people. We rub each other the wrong way. There are people I know that don't know Jesus Christ, and if they were to pass away tonight, if their life was to end, and I have not been a peacemaker, and I will not receive the blessing of my Father because I didn't do his business, and I won't have the peace of God with me, and it's all great and well that I've got my ticket punched, and I have peace with God, but I want peace of God that transcends all understanding. Does that make sense? Jesus is putting some pressure on here. He's looking at his disciples and he's saying, hey, fellas, y'all felt pretty good about our conversation so far? I've only had about eight or ten sentences into this whole, this whole sermon. Y'all feeling pretty good about yourself? Oh, that's great. Look at all those people out there. Look at them. Look at them. They don't know me. They're not right with me. And if their world ends today, they will not be with me. Now, I've promised you boys, I've promised you all, I will be with you always, the very end of the age. You guys had not quite figured that out yet, but I'm telling you, you don't have to be afraid about going someplace. I'll lead you there. I'll be with you. You don't have to be afraid about having a conversation with somebody who doesn't think or act or know what you know. It's okay. It's new information. It's new to them. I'll tell you what to say. You don't have to be afraid when they come and arrest you and beat you and imprison you. I'll tell you what to do. Instead, you're afraid that it might happen instead of it will happen. A minute ago, I asked you to think of a name of a person who, who you need to have reconciliation with, who needs that peace of God, who needs to see a believer acting like a believer needs to act. And maybe that's a family member, maybe that's a friend, maybe that's a coworker. And the first step is usually not just to walk up to them and say, you know, I don't like you very much, and I've been at war with you for a long time. That, that's, not, that's not a good first step. Don't do that. But I will tell you this, if you can put their name down on a piece of paper, you can start praying for them. You start praying about that situation. And let me just warn you. Let me just warn you. Don't do this. God, would you please let that person soften up a little bit? Uh-uh. No, no, no. God, would you let me soften up a little bit? Would you let me be willing to run towards conflict knowing I'm probably going to get shot at and I may take a couple of lumps? I'm going to be sacrificial in my love for someone else because I'm going to go in, I'm going to be a peacemaker. That might mean I have to give up some of my pride, some of my ego, some of my ambition. But I'm going to be a peacemaker today. I'm going to be a peacemaker because I'm going to be about my father's business because I know my past, my present, my future, and I know where my peace comes from. And if I'm secure in that, I can take that to somebody else. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I can't think of a better name than God's son. 
What about you? Those are good words to live by. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you because you are holy, because you are magnificent. Father, you love us beyond belief and imagine. God, it's a bit overwhelming sometimes to consider that we're at war with you and at war with one another. And you said you had, you had a great idea. I'll, I'll send my son down amongst them. I'll send the lamb among the wolves, the sheep to be slaughtered. And that your idea of being a peacemaker wasn't through force or military might, strength, but it was love. It was love that brought peace that does indeed transcend all understanding. It doesn't make sense. And so, Father, we thank you that you did that, that you brought Jesus down to earth to live amongst us, sinless, perfect, and to send him to the cross so that we might be reconciled unto you. And that, God, in the process of that, you called us to be about your business, to reconcile others, to be peacemakers. And so, God, this morning, I pray that if there's relationships in this room that need mending, that you do that, Lord. Father, if there's somebody that we need to go to and just talk to, talk with, we'd start that process not because we'd feel better about ourselves, but we'd know that they know you, and that's really what we're here to do. So, Father, I just pray that you would just teach us, Lord, to be peacemakers. If for no other reason, Lord, someone brought the gospel to us so that we might be at peace with you, and we might enjoy the peace of God. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.